We are unlimited energetic beings. But as women, we're taught to believe that our worth is in direct proportion to whether or not we're acceptable to others. We spend our lives keeping our mouths closed at work, playing it small in relationship with family and friends, dieting, and for many of us, sadly, seeking out a partner not for love and companionship, but for the social accolades that come with having a man put a ring on it. My name's Dr. Liz Dubois, and I've spent the last decade traveling the globe talking to women facing different types of trauma. Through my work and my research, I've come to believe that no matter what it is we're facing, we're all playing it small. This podcast is my rallying cry for us to step into our power and stop living within the bounds of what society taught us was acceptable. Each week, I spotlight the story of a badass woman who's refusing to play it safe any longer. Within each of their stories, you'll hear practical advice to step into your own power, find your authentic worth, and unapologetically live your purpose. This is my invitation to you to be small, no more. Today, I'm really honored to have as my guest, Kiki Athanis. She is the ex-perfectionist coach and the founder of the Mind Body Beauty Program. She's an expert in mindful eating, and we're going to have a very raw conversation about eating disorders. If you have any sort of eating disorder or body dysmorphia and feel like you may not be in a place where you are ready to have some content put into your ears that is very raw and a deep dive, this may not be the episode for you to listen to right now. For anyone that chooses to listen, I hope that the information that you find here is healing and above all else that you take away from this episode that you are absolutely not alone if you are struggling with your relationship with food and your relationship with who you see when you look in the mirror. All right, let's, let's chew on it. Right? Let's do it. Okay, so Kiki Athanas, how the hell are you? <laughs> I'm doing amazing. How are you, lovely? So I'm so good. So for those of you tuning in, the way that this podcast is happening is Kiki and I just had a, a call to meet each other yesterday. We have a mutual friend and we started talking about food and I was like, oh my God, shut up. I literally <laughs> interrupted you. I was just like, stop talking. This is so good. We have to get this captured because food is the universal struggle I think for for so many women and you said you know food has just become work it's something we like have to get right and something to manage and we either get it right and and possibly feel good temporarily or or we're fucking it up and we feel terrible and I know you and I have shared very briefly that we've both had kind of health journeys around this um I lost 104 pounds between the time I was 22 and 24. And you've also had a lot of different challenges with your eating. And I'm just so excited that we're literally just going to have a, a conversation in real time recording because I, I know we're, we're so representative of so many women that that feel exactly the same way about food. Oh my goodness. Me too. I'm so excited. And yeah, it definitely is. I love how you've put it that universal struggle. And I think it's, it's extra struggling because you can't ever just let it go. You can't, there's food always is in your life. Like I think with something, you know, like not just not to say that 
alcohol or other substances don't obviously have their challenges. But with something like food, it's not even like, oh, well, I'm just going to give it up and get over it and, and, you know, move on. There's you have to find a balance for the rest of your life. And I think that was a really daunting, overwhelming thought when I was in the thick of my eating disorder and my disordered eating patterns. It was like, wow, am I ever going to be able to get over this? And like, how am I always going to have to face this challenge every single day? Like, it's just, you can't just remove it from your life, unfortunately. (laughs) No, absolutely. I've been in recovery for alcohol and pills for um, a while. And food is something that is been a struggle from the time I the first time I remember lying mm-hmm. it was about food yeah and I was four yeah and I like I don't have many memories from when I was four but that one I remember vividly like I remember walking up the stairs and counting the pineapples on the wallpaper reminding myself that lying was bad and yeah. I was bad yeah and to think about the programming that we inculcate our children with around morality and food mm-hmm. and self-worth and food as a parent it's terrifying to me Absolutely. to think about what I say may have you know this kind of like long-term memory impact on my child. Absolutely. And I think we're all, um, I'm not a mother, but I know that, you know, my mother was doing her best and my, um, you know, aunts and all of these people that definitely did play into all of the disordered eating habits that I, that I took on. And I think it's obviously not about blaming, but I think you bring up a really good point. And, you know, whether you're healing yourself or whether you just want to become more conscious so that you provide your children or the people that you're influencing with the right mindset about food, I think it's just something that absolutely we need to learn. And, you know, we have to take nutrition, I think just a couple classes in a couple years. I know I'm in Canada and we take it, I think it's like an optional class in high school. Um, but I think a course around actually not necessarily what's healthy to put on your plate, but actually how to have a positive relationship with food would do us all such a favor. And we could all be way more productive, amazing, happy citizens, especially women in our long term, if we could just get that right from the get go. Um, but instead, a lot of us have to go through really long um, healing traumatic journeys with it, unfortunately. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I feel like my healing traumatic journey was exactly that. It was healing like slash traumatic. Mm-hmm. I, I I found long-term weight loss, right? Significant weight loss, 104 pounds is, is significant mm-hmm. um, by going into a 12-step program where I weighed and measured every single bite that went in my mouth <sighs> for 12 years. And I, um, and I went to meetings three times a week where the first thing that was shared at the top of a share was I'm Liz and I weigh 148. I used to weigh 252. And for 12 years, I really got it in my head that the reason I was, I was worthy that I was quote recovered from this food addiction was because I used to weigh 252 pounds and now I weigh 148. Mm -hmm. And after I had my after I had a miscarriage when I was 34 my weight didn't go back down Mm -hmm. and I really got wrapped around this handle of I was not in a spit spit I was not in a fit spiritual condition because I couldn't lose 
couldn't lose this weight. Mm -hmm. And I had to really go on a very arduous journey of realizing that the food program that had been working for me for a really long time to keep me thin was actually really reinforcing like some very deep body dysmorphia issues. yeah. And I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that because it's it's easier, obviously, to see it in hindsight. I think that a lot of us, we do lose weight and we see our, you know, our friends that that lose weight and they have this um, sense of, quote unquote, confidence or that they think mm-hmm. they have and they're just living on this high. Um, and we as a society are... Um, just naturally programmed to praise that and to think, oh, okay, like they are, um, they're achieving, they're successful, they're these good things. And and we adopt that when we're, you know, slimmer or this ideal weight. Um, and we sort of do lose touch with reality. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me, I was very, very thin at one point, And I was just riding that, like that, I call it like a hungry high. I was, I was so hungry, but I felt so full of like uh, external gratification that it didn't even yes. matter. And you just, it's just like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I have all of these health issues. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm all I do is, is think about food. I'm growing hair because my body is literally trying to heat me the fuck up. Um, but you know, like someone just said that like, I'm like inspiring them or like someone just said, wow, you look good in everything. So it's like, it's all fine. And you just push it all aside because it's like one person just gave me a compliment. Um, Or like, I can see my collarbones a lot in that picture. So like, it's all good. (laughs) And it's such, it's such an interesting thing. Cause I feel like, and and I should say for, for everyone listening, like we're sound, if we sound like we're like, yeah, society give you accolades and that's the worst. (laughs) Like we're both, you know, we're both healthy weight women, you know, I'm like looking at you on zoom right now. Like I, you know, I was playing dress up for TikTok the other day. Like I can rock a, a nice dress, right? We're, we're, we're both healthy sized women. So it's not like we're sitting here, you know, morbidly obese and saying, oh, those skinny bitches. Although, you know, if that's your story, props to you, man, because any way that you can find peace in your body, as far as I'm concerned, is like valid. Totally. I that's the struggle. I 100% agree. And I I look up to those women. I know in my own journey, um, I, I tried to go down that rabbit hole of just like, okay, like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck diet. Fuck diet culture. And like, get on that kind of angry train that there is a there's a group of women that are just like they like hate like diet culture everything like that but I've never been an angry person I've always been a very happy um content individual so for me I couldn't really ride that train very much because I just felt like it was attacking a different uh, just a different group of people and 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 it still had this negativeness about it and I've always been um I call myself the ex-perfectionist but I've always been quite a perfectionist and and very a-type and to me I was like that's scary I don't want to surrender into like not caring what I look like like sorry I'm like an element of vain and sorry I do want to be attractive and and have standards it's like do I have to give it all up in order to be quote-unquote healthy and I felt like there had to be um, I felt like a lot of the messages that I was sent when I was in my healing journey was that um, there needs to be either you kind of just like 
surrender and embrace whatever is and like eat intuitively or you kind of have to stay in your hole of um you know restricting and dieting and and yeah. therefore get good attention and it was like oh okay well this you know being really skinny and kind of hating myself and and deep down hating my life isn't really working but at the same time I'm not ready to like just be whatever weight and eat whatever and just kind of say fuck it just yet so I felt like there was no in between um yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, and I'm just thinking, like, of all the ways, like, weighing and measuring for 12 years really, like, bled into so many areas of my life in ways that felt really quite positive because I, I like, had control. I mean, I didn't have control, right? I had surrendered to this larger structure of a program and a higher power, but the per for me, like, putting myself on this conveyor belt of I am just going to, like, hit pause on the disordered eating and like adopt this particular way of eating mm -hmm. made it very easy for me to put on blinders to other things that I just decided I'm just going to like blindly kind of trust that these things are right for me. And I think as women, food is such a pervasive issue in our life. We think about it all the time. And when we feel like we have a semblance of control, right? Like, oh, I'm thin now I'm this, I'm that. Like we start to just decide that everything in our life is also going to be under control, right? And we can become really restrictive in other ways. Absolutely. And it sounds like for you, um, perhaps, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but it sounds like you kind of just traded in one form of disordered eating for another, right? Because it's just, it was, it was just another way to control. I mean, so I found a lot of peace and freedom in it, but a lot of it, I think, hinged for me less on a spiritual solution, which is the premise of any 12 steps um, program. For me, it hinged much more on if I eat a bite that's off of my food program, I am going to disappoint my sponsor. Mm. And I'm in no way, shape or form saying that that is what everyone experiences in a program like that. I'm saying it's what I experienced. Mm. And I put myself in a position where my controlling and restricting also got coupled with a very deep sense of codependency mm -hmm. of if I eat, I will disappoint and I will be bad and I will be shamed. And I know I really, um, you know, I was so young when I did this, I was 22. Um, and I stayed there for, for up until after I had my daughter and miscarried. Um, and for me, I made so many different life choices throughout that period that were kind of based on like the next right thing to do <laughs> that if when I started to think about my life outside the boundaries of these very like limited sort of frameworks, I start like I, I got like I, I pressured my then boyfriend into proposing because I was going to get engaged mm -hmm. and I was going to have a wedding and like spoiler alert, our marriage fell apart in part because I like finally came to terms with the fact that at the time I thought I was bi, you know, but like I would lay in my husband's arms crying about like, what if I'm 95 years old and never actually live as the person that I am, yeah. you know, someone that's gay, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I just like, I can see in my mind so clearly it's conflated where it was like the next right thing to do as a 25 year old is to get engaged yeah. and the next great thing to do. Right. And I had like really limited my ability to think about 
what is it that my intuition is telling me? What is it that my, you know, spirit guides are telling me as opposed to like this very constricted, well, now I'm a size four. And so everything is perfect. And therefore I'm going to have a good job and I'm going to have a good life and I'm going to have the this and the that and the other thing. And I, I got the this and the that and the other thing. And I was wildly unhappy because I was living absolutely inauthentic. Yeah. And it's interesting that you note, um, because I think there's something positive to be said around, you know, when you have that size four and you feel good and there is this spiral effect of goodness and th that's nothing to, to shit on. And I don't think either of us are no. doing that, right? Like there is, um, an element of there's the vicious cycle of, of, you know, when you're laying on your couch and you're not doing anything, whatever. And then, and then you're not eating well and et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the really positive, awesome cycle when you're, you know, when you start to do your morning workouts and you're feeling good. And so you, and then you genuinely want your green juice and like everything yeah. just goes well. So I think there's like so much goodness to be said around programs that inspire that and kind of hold a container for that to be the, the, the case. Um, it's just a matter of, I mean, the, there's that saying the poison is in the dose and it's so cliche. Ooh, and it's so, say more. I've never heard. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my goodness. No. That is, that's actually one of my little, I, I say that to myself around, um, uh, something that I do with myself is kind of uh, check in every couple months if I notice that I am tending to either binge or emotionally eat on particular ingredients. Um, and in my head, without actually acknowledging it on paper or just taking time to meditate through it, in my head, I just get in into the mindset of, oh my God, like that's just, a, it's a bad food and it makes me feel bad. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh my God, and you just kind of demonize it. And then, and then you take a step back when you're, when you're approaching it with a little bit more kindness and curiosity. And it's like, oh, well, maybe that, you know, raw cacao nibs are making me feel like shit because every time I eat them, I eat like a freaking bag of them and, you know, yeah. and I'm in this horrible state. And so it's just, I often have to say to myself, well, the poison is in the dose. Would you feel, would you feel bad if you, you know, just ate a regular portion? Probably not. And mm. I think it's the same thing with you know, the poison is in the dose in terms of sometimes some people at some stages of their lives need someone to kind of, you know, motivate them to be like, oh, well, you know, have you tried um, taking this supplement, which apparently, you know, rubs up your metabolism or whatever, like sometimes those, yeah. you kind of need that, uh, that little bit of push, whatever. Um, but it's when you take it so far that you, you know, it's, it becomes a poison and it becomes this thing that, you're, you're striving towards health and then you just get past it. And it sounds like um, we had similar journeys in terms of, you know, you jumped on this like health train of, you know, checking in and you're probably measuring your macros or at least conscious of them or, you know, calories. Yeah, no, for me, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if I would feel differently if I were to undertake something. Well, that's not true. I'm in, I'm in a different 12 step program for eating now that approaches it from a really like a just straight up spiritual lens as opposed to kind of like this is the structure of your food plan and um now at like 36 and and very mindful of the fact that I'm raising a white male in Donald Trump's America like I approach my eating now very differently and when I was 22 going you know just seeking a solution for the fact that I was so overweight in, in my mind right and I know there's people that have obesity that struggle on a way higher level um but 
I was so desperate to be thin and it had really nothing to do with health and everything to do with I didn't want to be treated like shit. By oh people. my goodness. You Thank you so much for just saying it because it took me a while to admit that as well. Especially I was, uh, I also went in for the exact same reasons. I went in because it wasn't like a deep down, oh, well, I want to be healthy and I want to save the world and do all these things. It was um, actually, I saw it as a key to um, being respected, as a key to being looked up to as the root of being, oh, what well, like I came from a, a family that didn't have a lot of money. And I always had this deep seated belief that, oh, I was just from this trashy family and I was trash and I was poor and being skinny was just a way to, to appear like I had a higher class. Um, and oh, but I, but I think there's so much validity yeah. to it. Right. And so like I, a long time ago, I used to write a blog and one of the posts that I put up talked about exactly this, like by the numbers when I, I was in, it was very handy from a metric standpoint I was in a straight commission sales job during the period at which I lost wow. my weight and the like I it took me about 18 months to lose 100 104 <laughs> pounds and um and my income went up by the time I was a size four from a size 20 to a size four my income went up by twenty two thousand dollars because I was I was more yep. credible and I had this experience I, I still live in Washington DC I was at this gas station on Wisconsin Avenue and when I, when I was overweight, this man bumped into me. He bumped into me. And he goes, move your fat <gasps> ass, bitch. And like flash forward 18 months later. I, so I'm, for those of you listening, I'm 5'11". I'm not bad looking. You're gorgeous, and, girl. Um, well, thank you. But, you know, so I'm, so I'm like four blocks down from this gas station two years later. I'm on Wisconsin Avenue and this like in this very posh area of DC and this person hands me their business card and says, I'm a photographer. I'd love to have you pose for me. And like, I, and I ended up like doing some photo work for this guy, but it was so funny. It was like two years and four blocks wow. apart. It goes from move your fat yeah. ass bitch to being recruited for a model shoot on the street. And so I think like for, for people listening I just want to say, like, if you're sitting in your house feeling like, oh, I'm a horrible person because I don't want to be skinny to be healthy. I want to be skinny to be skinny. Like, mad respect, yo, because there's a lot yeah. out there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Oh, and you bring up such a good point because it's like, okay, so does that mean we need to somehow educate the world and just change the goddamn world and make them love everyone at every face, yes, every side. It. It's like, to me, that's yes. a really, really, really big undertaking. So it's like, okay, I'm going to move forward <laughs> towards that. But at the same time, I'd like to be loved and appreciated and, you know, looked up to and respected to, in my lifetime. And unfortunately, uh, being slim actually does help at least get there. Um, and I'm not saying it's an, it's impossible to obviously to not, and you know, there are people that are respected that are, that are larger, but that is sort of the fact of the matter. And, and that's why I keep coming back to, for me, although I, I knew that I needed to heal, like all of the pain and all of the, just the fact that food was consuming my goddamn life, I knew I needed to get over it. But I still wasn't down to go down that path of just like, 
fuck the world. Like we just need to like, you know, say no to diet culture. Cause I knew deep down, I'm like, yeah, but it's not going to go away anytime soon. Like people are still going to look at skinny people and think that they're greater. And it's like, I can't remember what it's called, but there's that, that uh, psychological like concept where it's like, people that are beautiful, they don't think that they do things wrong. Like they automatically think they're smarter well, and privilege. yeah, like, right. And that's yeah. privilege, but it's privilege. Yeah. I mean, it, it's privilege. And what I think is interesting though, and like important that I want to delineate that maybe is a bit more nuanced than we're saying it is like you're a you're not crazy if you're like I don't care about being healthy fuck it I just want to be thin but b also yes we need that wholesale Mm -hmm. change and so I think the question is not how do I not say fuck it so I can be thin so I can be respected I think the question is how do you find radical Mm self-acceptance and some of radical self-acceptance means I accept the fact like for me I'll raise my hand and say when I eat white Mm -hmm. flour and I eat sugar, my left knee gets crazy inflamed. And I'm not talking like weird, like Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> inflammation of my brain. I'm talking about like my my leg literally becomes a larger size than the other one. And it's very painful to run. And I, I happen to like running. And so for me, like I can't eat white sugar or flour without paying a price. And also for me, I can't eat white sugar flour in small amounts of quality yeah. quantities, yeah. right? Like you said, the poison yeah. is in the dose. Like, so for me, I have to make a conscientious decision if radical self-acceptance is the antidote to the toxicity of knowing that people look at me at a size 16 versus a size four very differently. Like the antidote to that is not figure out at all costs how to be a size four. It's how do I love myself and acknowledge that loving myself does not mean that I fall ass over tea kettle into the 7-Eleven exactly. bakery? And when you really, really love yourself, like if in a perfect world and, you know, you have no stress and you are just mastering self-love and self-acceptance, the truth of the matter is you're going to just very easily fall into your set point or your equilibrium. And, you know, whether that's incredibly thin, if you're just naturally, you know, a bony, lanky individual, or whether that's, you know, that you have a little bit of meat on your bones, but either way, you're going to be in the quote unquote healthy BMI. Um, And I think that's, it's so simplistic, but it's just the truth. It's like we all are tr- like trying so hard to diet and and to kind of painfully, we, we as a society tend to think that like, oh, if it takes work and if it's hard, it's going to, you know, pay off more. But actually, if you just, if you do just surrender into loving yourself, you, you will just naturally fall back into your equilibrium and you can kind of eat whatever you want, whenever you want, obviously being mindful of any type of allergic reaction. Actions or, or, you know, um, food intolerances or sensitivities. Um, but that is that is the key. And I think for some people, it's just a matter of mastering that. And then for others, and I know for myself, it was a matter of accepting that my equilibrium point and my set point wasn't a high fashion model. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's, ex- yeah, for me, you know, you brought up BMI, like I thank you, Jesus. I have no idea what my BMI is right now. Because like again, you know, I'm 5'11 and like I 
what you know like me in a size 14 looks different than somebody who's five feet in a size 14 and I, BMI is calculated right it's weight and height and all of this but like we all have such different body types and it's so funny I'm having this little flash of this this girl that I went to school with from first grade until 12 her like coming up to me in the playground at, in fifth grade and her being like do you believe in big bones I'm like yeah we all have different skeletons and she's like no you're fat I'm like, but you know like now right I will say you know 12 years of post <laughs> later like we all have different <laughs> oh my goodness yes yeah that's bringing me back to the memory of you remember they got you to sort of wrap your hand around yeah your oh yeah wrap right? your hand around oh your my god yeah. yeah I mean all these ways that we teach kids and I'm saying kids intentionally rather than little girls because I, I like I see my son who is not yet six already aware of the fact that he has like this little baby pooch thing happening and like I remember very vividly being young enough that my mom was still like drawing my bath so like getting ready for bath time and her grabbing my little pudgy side rolls that I now see my son have and her saying like oh yeah and I like I was young enough that she was still giving me a bath so I have to imagine fairly young and like I am so mindful around what I say about my body in front of my son. And for me, what you're talking about, this kind of like radical self-love, it just kind of naturally happens that your eating situates itself. And like, that has not been my story. I have actively had to work a program of addiction recovery specific to food. And I'm, I'm in a, you know, the program for drugs and alcohol, but I, I have to, work this other component to it too because radical self-love for me does not prevent me from eating three boxes of sugar cereal it just doesn't and I'm so grateful that I'm at a point in my life and in my journey of just kind of self-acceptance where I'm like like if I need fucking help with something like I will raise my hand I will pay that money I will see that doctor I will do whatever because I will not settle for living my life on somebody else's oh, terms. Thank you for saying that. Oh my goodness. And I, I'm similar in the sense that um, I thought for the longest time that, okay, well, I, I'm technically only healed when I, I just don't even really think about food. I don't have to monitor my food. I, I just eat intuitively and it's yeah. like, it's all good. And, and I've recently accepted that, no, that's not the truth. And that I will always be a recovering, um, disordered eating individual. Um, and I will always yeah. have to monitor myself for that. And I, I'll always have to have strategies and like specific, um, specific activities and exercises that I need to, to, to do on myself in order to, um, kind of pick myself back up when I fall and, and to keep myself on track. And I think that there is that idea that, um, from a lot of these like body positivity thought leaders and, um, that there's that idea that, that's once you've healed you you'll never need that and you'll just listen to your body and it's fine and you'll never binge again because you're loving yourself so much it's like no sometimes you do actually need to have some structure and some boundaries and I um I think I was scarred from therapy because I was always 
Mm -hmm. sort of instructed that that was wrong, like tracking is wrong. And because I was doing and, you know, and and rules are wrong and and labeling food as as good or bad is wrong. And so it's like, oh, my God, well, then I don't have any strategies to kind of set myself up with a container. I need to feel like I'm not going to fail. And so that's what for my own journey, that's how I did it. I eventually was just like, okay, you know what, I'm going to do it my way and see if it works and stop letting everyone tell me what's wrong and what's not. I'm going to set myself up with, you know, a container that I can, um, I can feel like there's rules and boundaries and guidelines, because that's how I feel protected and how I feel safe. But have the yeah. the room in there and the wiggle room in there to eat intuitively and to feel it, it, like I'm listening to my body and like I'm respecting my body and like I'm not restricting or controlling. Um, and it's hard because like you, I've, I don't have too many memories. It sounds like, uh, like you, uh, too many memories of when I just ate completely intuitively and naturally. Yeah. Right. Oh, and I wish I, right? wish I had those I don't. memories, but I don't. Cause my, my intuitive eating is I will drive to target three times a day and buy out the whole section of yeah. Cocoa Puffs. Like that's yeah. my intuitive eating is my intuition says that is just fine. And what I like this podcast for me is an invitation to women to stop limiting themselves to listening to the societal bullshit. But the flip side of that is course is listening to your intuition. And for me, like my intuition very clearly told me like, this is an area where I need help. And this, the secret I think for me has been finding a freedom that that help has look different in different seasons of my life. Oh, and that's absolutely. Okay. And it's interesting that you note that the different seasons, um, that was one of my own realizations because when I would even just doing yo-yo dieting and, and doing a diet, there, there was always yeah. that d- deep seated belief in, in my head that was kind of, it's like that devil on your shoulder. That's like, yeah, but you won't be able to keep this up. Like when I went keto and it was like, but girl, you love bananas. Like you're never going to be able to do this forever. And, and eventually I just had to drop the, you know what I'm doing this right now. And, and right now this is what's serving me. And when you think about like naturally that, that we change, um, as, as humans, we change our diets based on the season and, um, you everything changes, everything is in flow. And for some reason, um, people like us that I think are, you know, uh, relatively high achievers, we think that uh, we need to be able to uh, do something forever in a certain way, or else we're already failing at it. And so for me, a big part of healing was uh, noting that, oh, okay, well, like I'm following this and this, these food rituals are working for me right now, you know, and this, you know, intermittent fasting thing, this is working for me right now. But Maybe tomorrow it won't, um, but that's okay because I'm doing it right now and right now it's working for me and, and that's fine. Whereas I think before I would think about it like, yeah. oh, but well, like, will it work forever? And like, should I do this forever? And like, what if I don't do it tomorrow? Then like today is totally canceled out because I'm not going to do it tomorrow. And it's just this overanalyzing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been on a number of 12 step calls since the pandemic started, we've all, you know, been very happily clustered in different um, (laughs) Zoom rooms across the world. And I was talking on a women's meeting with a bunch of friends. We're all just kind of hanging out after the meeting. And we're like, gosh, it must suck to be normal and like not have like decade plus in in a 12 step program because we just live it a day at a time. And so for folks in the pandemic where it's like, 
who the fuck knows what tomorrow looks like? It's just like, I don't know. Like I just try to like, like with my eating and, and I say my eating because it really is like, it's a component of my life and I wish it wasn't right. Like, cause I don't, I don't ever say like with my teeth brushing, <laughs> right? Like I just brush my fucking yeah. teeth. Um, you know, but like I say my eating because it, it's such a big thing that takes up space in my head and I wish it didn't, but it does. And I, and I know that I'm not crazy yeah. Because I know it's a, it's an um, sadly like almost universal experience for women, and and that is terribly sad. But it's also a thing that for right now in my life, I just have to have peace around. Like there are causes that I've taken up as my own, and and I am allowing myself the grace and permission to say at this moment, like changing the global narrative of how women are viewed for our bodies. Like that's not a cause that I'm going to like drive. I'm just going to try to find grace and balance with my own food. Yeah. Relationship. And finding peace with that. And, and yeah. <laughs> it's so right. There's, there's those people that are normal and there's, I still remember like going to restaurants, especially when I was in the thick of it and just seeing my friends just open up a menu look at it, pick something that they kind of fancy and then order. And you could tell that there just wasn't that internal angst going on. in their heads. Like they were yeah. literally like, Hmm, I'm in the mood for some pasta. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And they just ordered it and then they ate it. And then life went on. And it was like, oh, this, that took, like, that would have taken me like, like I had to research the menu before I had, like, I had to do so much. And then I'm going to feel certain feels about it, like afterwards. And there's just like so much. But to the same point, you mentioned like it is quite universal. I think a lot of us would be surprised at how many people are struggling. And I've been in, the quote unquote wellness world for several years now. And a lot of my friends are holistic nutritionists and dietitians and all of these experts around food and how to nourish your body. And honestly, nine times out of 10, they're struggling with some form of at least orthorexia where they're just so obsessed with healthy eating. Uh, but either way, yeah. there's, there's something going on there. And so you know, we might beat ourselves up thinking that we're the only ones, but oftentimes it's like, especially in Instagram, right? It's all smoke and mirrors and they might be posting yeah. something that they wouldn't even dare put in their mouths because it's like, oh, this, this has X, Y, Z. And I know that it's supposed to be healthy right now, but I'm on this and, you know, or they are, and they're binging it up, but yet it's just, it's, it's, it's a mess. Well, so let's pivot then to some hope. Cause you, you've mentioned two different things. Like th this podcast is about walking away from the BS, but it's also about dipping into the strategies, totally. right? Like it's, we can all be kumbaya and like do a tarot reading and find our authentic <laughs> selves. Right. But that, that like, that's not what it's about. Right. It's about figuring out like, who the fuck am I? And how do I live bravely as myself? And if you're a person where food has been a thing for you, whether that's because of societal BS or because something you know, for me is hardwired in my body that it it's a thing for me. Like, what are the strategies? Oh, I, I love that you asked that. Um, so you know what? I think first I'm gonna I'm gonna mention one of the more positive ones. Um, they're all positive strategies, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, but one that I have been using, and I didn't even really know that I was using it as a quote unquote strategy until uh, until last year, and 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 now I use it um, as part of the program. Um, and honestly, it's visualization, and it's getting super mm. clear on exactly what you want, 
what you want to feel, how you want to look, um, and really clarifying that goal for yourself. That's, I think, number one first step. And I know it sounds, really? it sounds like, oh, but like, isn't that, isn't that part of the problem that we're just kind of aspiring to be this particular thing? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as you're saying it. I'm like, of course I can visualize myself as a before. Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> and so the first step is actually writing down or, or visualizing however you want and clarifying it for yourself exactly how you want to look and feel. And what I noticed um, and when I would do this is the way that you want to look and the way that you want to feel, then you have to go through those two, those two lists and figure out which which ones actually don't make sense to be on the same list. So if you want to look like have a, you know, size zero or a size two, but then you want to feel energetic, you want to feel, you know, your optimal self, you want to, you don't want to have brain fog, all those things. You have to look at those two lists and really be be uh, realistic with yourself in terms of if those two lists actually make sense in terms of being your truth in parallel and at the same time. And I found for myself, oftentimes I'd have to cross things off that look list in order to, to get to that feel list. Once you, uh, and, okay. and so once you kind of curate that, that first list, um, Honestly, pictures are like my personal godsend. So I know that everyone's super into the dream board, vision board um, uh, idea. I like to call it an action board. Um, and that's um, a really awesome um she has a PhD in neuroscience, Dr. Tara Swart. She wrote the source and it was all about combining neuroscience with the law of attraction. It's a fabulous book. And she calls, quote unquote, dream boards or vision boards, action boards, because it really is a matter of priming your brain to not just manifest something or, you know, dream it up and then it's going to happen. It's a matter of priming your brain to notice when opportunities to fulfill your vision come up. So it's not a matter of putting a, a vision board of all of these beautiful, you know, slender or toned people on your on your vision board, and then that's just going to happen. But it's a matter of priming your brain so that when you're um, at the grocery store, and when you're looking at food, you don't even notice, but you've subconsciously tricked your brain into like wanting maybe the the leaner meats or, you know, the bone broth that's going to make your your gut feel good. And um, it's all of these little tiny hacks. So really, the the first part is just getting super clear on that goal and making it this fun, aspirational thing. I, I won't lie. So uh, we're, we're about to have words, girl. I'm so excited because I'm still earlier in this podcast, right? And like, there was a part of me that's like, this, you know, this, this whole pod, the series is going to turn into this like love <laughs> fest of like highly evolved feminist women, just like agreeing with each other. So like, I, I'm going to go toe to toe with you, PhD to you quoting a PhD. And so like the only proven long-term tactic for body yeah. dysmorphia is exposure therapy to people that are bigger than you. And I'm not talking about walking around the mall which of course we're not allowed to do right now but in theory I'm not talking about going to a theme park in the midwest and looking at a bunch of fat people and saying well I'm better than them that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is 
finding other people whose bodies are also Mm -hmm. normal, like yours, not Mm -hmm. on Instagram. I'm saying like yours, hypothetical listener, not you, (laughs) Kiki, but, but this exposure therapy is, is the only antidote to body dysmorphia. Right. And so for me, looking at other women who have a size 14 body has really been helpful. And so when you're saying like, put this action board up, I'm like, Oh Jesus, don't. So, so sell me on this. Cause all I, all I am hearing is that this is a, a like polished up version of idealizing bodies that may or may not be in alignment with like our actual metabolism or what absolutely and that's why those two lists are really really important and getting clear on okay but does that match up with how you want to feel um because at the end of the day as i mentioned before we all have this set point and we have this equilibrium where our bodies naturally want to fall and so i mean i know for me putting on my action board of someone that is to me, absolutely beautiful and slender, uh, but isn't, you can tell when someone just has a different body type than you, right? So you do have to do it with um, a bit of realism, obviously, like you can't. So then there, there's the key. So it's not aspirational in the sense of one day I will wake up and have Jessica Alba's body. It's aspirational. Like, no, I mean, I, I have pictures of myself, obviously, um, when my son was about a year and a half and I was at the gym like three to four times a week, not yeah. insane. And I was eating healthy yeah. food that I liked. And I was in, I was definitely not at my thinnest, but I was such like healthy and peaceful in my body. And like, those are the pictures I have up at my house, Absolutely. not the pictures of me as a model where I'm probably 40 pounds slimmer than that, but my hair was falling out and I didn't Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's, you mentioned a good point as to remember the times that you felt your best. And oftentimes those are when you were at your healthiest weight Um, because we just operate the best, the best when we are, you know, in that, in that healthy rate. Um, And so you do have to do, you have to, have an element of discernment in your action board 100%. And uh, for me, my action board isn't obviously there's so many more things other than weight and, and, uh, you know, external looks. Um, It's having personal relational goals, professional goals, and all those things. But for people like us where food contains so much of our existence and of our thoughts, they actually all tie in. So for the fact that if I want to go and and achieve all of these goals, it's like, well, is if I'm going to take time to you know, pursue this venture, then that means that I can't actually be binging and restricting for half of the day because I literally will not have time because, (laughs) because if I'm just stuffing my face and then, you know, somehow washing it all out with, you know, detox teas, then I'm actually not going to have the time and space in my life to achieve all of these things. So, um, I think it's also really important to have these wider goals that might not seem tied into your like dream vision body but they actually but but it is right yeah no like the same way that me weighing and measuring and doing quote the next great thing with my food right this very like this is the next great thing i will not eat a cheeto 
right like also got me to the place where like the next great thing is like really browbeating my boyfriend into proposing and getting married when you know spoiler alert I'm gay right and so like of course it bleeds into because if you are a person that where food is a thing right again I wish it wasn't for me but it is and I know that for many women it is like if it's a thing for you then it absolutely bleeds into everything now getting to specifically around food I think the the tips around mindful eating you're probably super familiar with with all of them going into the different programs but so oh. I'm not, which is why I'm so excited oh my to be on God. here. The because I was like, mindful eating. Oh, what the fuck my is that? God. Like, I've heard intuitive. <gasps> okay. Like- Oh my God. Okay. Mindful eating is literally life-changing. And, and the best part of it is that it works almost automatically. Like it's not one of those things where you have to do it for several months and then eventually you get the hang of it. If you eat a, a meal mindfully, even that first time, you're going to reap benefits from it that very first moment. And so here's an example. Um, uh, you sit down and you eat a a meal mindfully, you are, you may um, experience less digestive issues afterwards, you'll probably eat less, Um, you'll enjoy your food so much more. I mean, we haven't even spoken about the joy and the pleasure and like the amazingness that food can bring. Um, So in terms of some tips on getting started, there's, there's so many, but I'll mention maybe three of my, of my favorites. Yeah, I top three. top three. So let's start with the hardest one. Um, and if you can do this, even just for like half your meal, or you know, one meal a day, or even just one meal a week, you will be ahead of ahead of the curve uh, with most people. Yep. And and like, let's just asterisk. We're talking about being mindful for one meal a day because there are programs out there where people eat one oh, meal a day. No, and no, I no. want to very <laughs> robustly say, as the creator of this podcast. Ain't nobody no, 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 no. here. We're talking about. Yes, 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 yes. No, I mean, like, if you can't eat mindfully for all of your meals, at least, you know, pick one. And if you do just pick the one, I suggest it's the first meal of your day. That way you can set yourself up with um, that positivity and kind of give yourself that pat on on the back for, you know what, at least I ate my breakfast mindfully today. Like, I can feel good about that. Um Okay, so okay. tell me what that so, looks like in real time, right? I wake up, I'm getting, I'm in the midst yep. of a global pandemic, hypothetically, let's say, and I'm going to eat my breakfast mindfully. Like, what am I eating? How am I eating it? Wonderful question. So first of all, it has absolutely zero to do with what you're eating. Mindful eating has zero, zero um, effect or, or rather guidance on what that food actually is. It is all about the how. So although some people talk about, you know, oh, like I'm eating mindfully, I'm eating a salad. Like you can very mindfully eat a McDonald's burger. Um, And and it's just (laughs) not matter. Um, And so it really, really is. So first of all, you know, we're in the kitchen. Um, First step, so I'll I'll talk about it more so in sequence, would be you absolutely will want to plate your food. A lot of us, how many times have you eaten something out of a bag or or just you haven't really seen the bottom of it, right? And so mindful eating, um, in order to, you know, quote unquote, do it properly, you are going to want to actually put it on a plate. Now that it's not because, you know, oh, this is the, the amount that you put on your plate. That's it. You can't get seconds. It's not a matter of that. 
it's just a matter of sending visual cues to your brain that, okay, so I'm about to eat this much. And you can just kind of connect with the amount of food that you're going to eat. It helps to visually see. Um, so you are going to want to plate it. Um, if you can, take a couple moments beforehand to actually think about how that food got to your plate. So, um, you know, whether mm. whether you're eating plant-based or not, if it's, if it's an animal, there's even more steps. But even if it's plant-based, you know, um, yeah. the... Yeah, I'm lazy. Okay, right, exactly. Yeah. Speed it up. It's like I'm gonna be vegan. Can't think, can't think too many. But you know, uh, 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 but you know, it's, it's still there was there was a farm involved. There was farmers. There was transportation. There was grocery store. You had to go to the grocery store. You had to wait in line. If it's Corona, you had to wait outside in line. Um, you know, you had to put on gloves. There's so much. And so just to think about all of that and have such appreciation, like really every meal is so it's absolutely, and it's gratitude. really just a miracle. The fact that it is there have you, and when you about all the steps, it's like the fact that maybe everything on your plate cost you like five bucks or, you know, $10 or even 20. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, I got absolutely. a steal. Like, this is amazing. Um, so that's the first thing. And then um, the, the next thing is actually to take really uh, big, deep diaphragmatic breaths. So even if it's just three, um, what you're what you're wanting to do is breathe in um, and really try to get those nice, big, uh, deep belly breaths. And the purpose of this is to put your body into rest and digest uh, stage, which is what you want to be in when you mm. eat. Um, so you don't want to be in this fight or flight mode. And this is exactly why when I'm saying you're sitting down and you're eating, you're eating at a table, you are sitting down. Um, so you're not like on the subway, uh, you're not like driving, you're not in this fight or flight uh, mode or state when your cortisol is firing right. and you literally, your body is just not ready to digest food. And therefore you're not going to get all of the yeah. nutrients out of it. And you're not actually going to activate the digestive um, fluids that actually go in and, and provide your body with enzymes to break down that food. And hence, if you struggle with, you know, acid reflux or any form of IBS, mindful eating can oftentimes be that, you know, free probiotic that you didn't actually need. Um, it's just a matter of putting your your body into that state so that it's properly equipped to digest the food. Now, if you want to take it one yeah. step further, yeah. um, chewing um, activates these digestive enzymes further. And really, would you, um, how many times do you think you should chew a bite before you swallow it? <laughs> I mean, like, it should be <laughs> such a simple question. <laughs> I mean, and that's not true. Right? It shouldn't be a question, right? Like, that's the whole problem is, like, Jesus, help me. I would love to never right? have to think right? about a question like that. But <laughs> since I do, since I do, I will give you my very science PhD <laughs> answer, which is, I don't so most, you know, quote unquote specialists in the area, a lot of the naturopathic doctors that I've worked with that, that are specialists in mindful eating, it's actually ideally you're going to want to chew each and every bite. 20 times before you swallow it. And obviously that's going to prolong the duration of how long you're, you're sitting there eating. Um, but that's really, 
to ensure that all of the food is actually chewed up before it goes down your esophagus, because you'd be surprised um, whether you have to get a colonic to figure this out or not, how much we just literally eat like snakes and we just shove food in our mouth and it's not, we're not even chewing it, which is such a shame. Um, Not for any particular, not for the reason of, oh my God, like you're going to eat more and therefore gain more. It's just like, oh my God, you're missing out on that beauty and that pleasure and all of that, that aroma and all of those tastes and all those textures and all those feels that you're treating yourself to, you're missing out on it and you're just shutting it down. Um, so chewing mm. each bite 20 times um, is is uh, most definitely, for me, it's one of the hardest um, things about quote unquote mindful eating, but it's game changer. Um, and then ending your meal as well with the th- at least three big, deep uh belly breaths. Um, Amidst all of this, I I did mention that you're going to want to sit down, be at a table and take away distractions. So the only, um, the only one that's, um, that I'm sometimes okay with is uh, obviously sometimes you want to eat with others. And so it's, it's nice to enjoy a meal, you know, with your family or whatever. If you're just starting mindful eating, it is, it is best to at least have the one meal a day when you do it in solidarity and you can just literally be one with your food. Um, Solidarity with your food, not solidarity. Honestly, when you're first starting, it is better to do it with no one else just so that you can really connect with what's happening with you, your body, and this food. Obviously, eventually, you know, to include other people is the goal. But just for that, those first couple times, I suggest, and what was really helpful for me, is to eat alone. So at what point, right, because, like, I'm thinking to myself that, like big components of my eating disorder are Mm. I eat by myself. I get really obsessive about the, the, the Mm. methodology of eating, right? For me, my eating disorder is less about what am I eating and the quantity. And it's more about, I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to make it a secret. Nobody else is going to know what I'm doing Mm. and I'm going to have weird rituals around it. So like, and, and I, I say this not to be like, I'm a freak. I say that to be having been for 14 years now in a lot of rooms with a lot of other mm-hmm. people that struggle with eating disorders, like what you're saying to me actually has a lot of hallmarks of it. So what about mindful eating as a solution as opposed to- So you're saying that problem? the idea of eating alone would be a trigger? Is that is that what you're- no, I, Not a trigger so much as a- like part of the problem like for me my food addiction and the ways that I addressed it whether I was quote-unquote in recovery and doing suggested things like I would bring weight and measured food to a wedding and during the meal I would go sit in my car and eat by myself because mm-hmm. I was eating weight and measured food mm-hmm. right that was me in recovery and me binging my brains out is hiding food and stuffing it under the floorboard of my car because I don't want anybody to know that I just swung by Wendy's for the third time. And so for me, I'm saying that again, not to be like, oh, I'm a super snowflake, super special. I'm saying it to say like, I've been around the world 
like I've, I've studied women doing stuff that's weird to themselves in traumatic ways in four different countries and I know that so many of us like eating is a yeah. thing that we do by ourselves and so to that I would say absolutely it's more important than ever for for those people that have the the private rituals and definitely I was one of them I think most of us that have these you know quote-unquote weird rituals that are you know even though we say weird but like everyone has them um are oftentimes by ourselves um that's it's more important than ever for you to to do it and to eat on your own for the this mindful eating practice because it is about stepping into the feels of it like feelings are for like feelings are for feeling and i think that we think that oh but i'm i'm doing it and i'm on my own and that um you know i'm already just like in the thick of it it's like are you actually there present with your food when you're yourself with it and when you're you know alone and you've you figured out this you know oh and i'm gonna go eat it here and i'm gonna have it like this and i'm gonna be wearing this and i'm gonna um but really are you there and are you 100 percent present with it or are you just now doing it because it's exactly numbing numbing and so for for people that um that struggle with this uh sort of almost like it's like a craving and then you go and do it for that i i suggest um an exercise that um one of uh, a mindful eating coach that i worked with um got me to do and it's okay if you feel the craving coming on sit with it and sit with it for 10 minutes before you indulge in the craving, knowing that at the end of the 10 minutes, you can absolutely. So if you are like, I absolutely want seven pieces of cake right now, there's two huge cakes in the freezer. I'm going to defrost them and I'm going to go into my room and eat both of them. Um, And so you've made that decision. What you're going to do is you're going to be like, okay, so I'm going to set a time minutes and I'm going to just feel into that craving feel why I want it feel like the urge all of that just like feel the richness of everything that is and it's going to be super uncomfortable knowing that at the end of that 10 minutes if you still want it sure go ahead do it only though if you promise yourself that you're going to go and do it without any guilt any shame and you're just going to fucking enjoy those two pieces of cake and what I noticed for myself and and what a lot of people notice is that either one, they don't want the, the and it was, you know, oh, actually, I'm just really yeah. upset because like something happened with my boyfriend or actually I'm just like really pissed off because, you know, I'm not making money right now and blah, blah, you know, it's, it's something else. Or then yeah. occasionally you're like, yeah, no, and now I do actually want it. And then you go and you eat it mindfully and you enjoy it. And then you actually stop at like three, three pieces in. Cause you're like, mm, like I, I was actually so with this cake and it gave me everything that I needed that actually I don't even need to, to finish it off. And it's oftentimes because you haven't set that rule that like, that you have to finish it or that you shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. just with it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, 100%. It's, it's really powerful. 100%. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, so then just to reiterate there, like, the differentiate, differentiating factor between, like, disordered eating by yourself and then mindful eating by yourself exactly. is you're actually present, right? And 
And when you're disordered eating by yourself, the whole point, at least for me, exactly. And you're not, you're exactly, you're, you're numbing out. You're, you're somewhere else. You're in this like zone of this. I I know for me, it was like in this weird, like almost drug state. Like I felt like I was like under the influence of something. Um, But when you're mindful eating, you are just, so like richly connecting with your food um that honestly there's no there's no caution in that there's no for me it's like I I, I'm not scared to give guidance of like just totally be with your food alone because if you are just totally being with your food and and chewing every bite 20 20 times before you swallow it and thinking about you know how it got there and and looking at it and all these things you can't fuck that up you absolutely you can't you can't it's not (laughs) right oi well you have been amazing thank you for what you've shared I'm stoked to disagree on some stuff because it's like it's way meatier than just being like yes you're right um so let's do this amazing I think the there's two best places number one is Instagram I love Instagram and so my handle is me by Kiki um so m-e-b-y-k-i-k-i um or I have a Facebook group where I talk more about uh really self-compassion and getting over perfectionism and it's called the ex-perfectionist so you can uh yeah join that Facebook group if you're on Facebook I love it Thank you. Well, everyone go check out the ex-perfectionists. It's an awesome group. I've gotten to peek a little bit into it. Thank Thank you so much for having me and your awesome energy. It's always, it's, you know, it's only our second time chatting and it's always a flipping pleasure. (laughs) Yes. Two out of two times has been phenomenal. hundred percent of the time. It's been great. Well, I'm super stoked you were able to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Love it. And with that, we're done. Okay, awesome. So what you just heard was a badass conversation between two powerhouse women. We're not out here to self-promote, although maybe a little. What this is all about, really, is giving you a permission slip to step outside of whatever BS bounds you've been holding yourself within. We are so, 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 so socialized to wait until someone gives us permission to start living our best, biggest, most authentic lives. If that hit a chord with you, what I want to say to you right now is here's your permission slip. I love you.